Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from people in our community. These successful neighbors of ours will share their real-life philosophies and solutions for success to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today is a native to South Carolina. She is a licensed professional counselor, life coach, motivational speaker, and trainer, and is a twice published author. Her website identifies that her primary goal is to help you uncover your true potential and lead a life that is fulfilling and worth celebrating. Welcome to the show, a new friend of mine, Giovanna Burgess Gathers. Howdy, Giovanna. Hi, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Yes, looking forward to it. Giovanna, something, you know, we had a a pre-podcast phone call and uh, just to kind of get to know each other in introduction. And I'll tell you, just in that phone call, I noticed that you have got this energy that exudes from you. And it is just amazing. I walked away from that phone call feeling better about myself, feeling like we were friends. Talk about how do you, how have you developed that energy? Oh, wow. (laughs) You came straight out of the gate with that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I think that, that developing that is, is, has been a lifelong thing and, and continues to be a lifelong thing. I, I in no way think that I'm there, but certainly when I think of how far I've come and where I've come from, it feels good for someone to say that. It feels good to feel as if someone can, can feel that, can sense that, because I, Again, this was a long time coming. This was a long yeah. road to get here. Um, I, I have definitely faced some hardships and struggles and challenges. And so being able to smile, being able to exude positive energy or help people to, to feel that they are capable and um, worthy and all of those things is, you know, it, it makes that journey and that struggle um, worthwhile. I feel like sometimes the greater the struggle, the greater the victory, right? Oh, yeah. You know, they say the greatest warriors get the toughest battles. So um, when I just began to look at some of the things that I had had to face and overcome, um, I, I stopped looking at it as things that had happened to me. And I began to look at it as things that were happening for me. You know, that it was um, one of my favorite philosophers is um, Rumi. And and he has this quote that says, everything is rigged in my favor. And and so I just, you know, even the, the test, even the setbacks, even the challenges and the hurdles that we have to overcome, you know, it's a mindset shift that if we can go from believing those things are happening to us or happen to us to believe that that believing that they happen for us, then it just it, it helps us feel freer, less like a victim, less helpless. Wow. That is a great right out of the gate. You said I came right out of the gate with some heat and Giovanna. Wow. Right out of the gate with it's not happening to you, but it's happening for you. Yeah. Well, that yeah. that's a great segue into what I really like to start with is your story. What are some struggles or some uh, the what are those things that happened for Giovanna to yeah. help get you where you are? Well, first of all, I was born not quite a year. My my father when my mother was um, pregnant with me about six weeks, my father was accidentally shot and killed, and oh he didn't even know that my mother was pregnant. Um, I was number six. 
they 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 had five other children my siblings and my father was shot and killed so my mother went from being a married mother of five almost six to being a single mother of six. My mother had, uh, even though she had graduated valedictorian of her high school, she, you know, my father never required her to work. So not only did she go from from being, uh, again, a housewife yeah. to, to being a single woman who now has to get out and work to support these six small children. I think my oldest brother was 10. So my life kind of started that way. You know, it, wow. it kind of started with, with tragedy, so to speak. And um, as you mentioned, I am a licensed therapist and I am very aware of the effects of trauma, even when we're in the womb. And so I literally had to do my own healing of myself in the womb. And, and trust me, you can do that type of work um, because a lot of people don't even realize that the reason they're struggling with certain things is because of things that may have happened either during the womb or, 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 you know, shortly um, after birth or during the birth process, like that traumatic experience for, for the fetus and for the infant. And we, we just haven't really known that. So we haven't really addressed it, but uh, I had to go back and do a lot of healing around all that trauma that that I had just kind of came into the world with. So I must have been a really strong warrior, right? To to yeah. you know to come out of the gate with with tragedy right. and, and with you know hardship against me. But it was very difficult. You know, my mother having to raise again six children, four of those being boys on a very low wage salary. And uh, but she did it. You know, we never relied on government assistance or anything, but trust me, you know, we went without some things, never food or clothing yeah. or water, but, you know, certainly we, we, we weren't living the high life. And so, but all of that, again, it happened for me because it, it built my, my sense of resist resilience and fortitude and, you know, my tenacity and just really gave me this hunger and this desire that I, I was going to live differently, you know, that I was going to live I wasn't going to allow my past to define me, but for many years, it did define me. It not only defined me, but it held me back. It told me what I was not capable of or what I was unworthy of or undeserving of. And so I had to go back again and kind of confront those lies and those illusions because, you know, your mind will play tricks on you. So I had to go back and and truly confront those lies and illusions and, um, discover and decide what was the truth that I wanted for myself. Wow. And how do you speak to how do you identify those things? If you're going through it and you obviously grew up with that trauma and you, you uh, apparently had done some dealing with it along the way and had, and had seen that, but when it crept, you said it crept back in, how do you identify that? Hey, it's this thing creeping back in. And then even that talk to how do you go back and heal that trauma? And turn back into this is happening for me, not to me. Yeah, um, it's a process. And I'll tell everybody that it's not a magic pill. If I had the answer neatly in a nutshell and I could bottle it and sell it, I'd be gazillionaire. Um, (laughs) But it, it is a process. And I think the way that it creeps back in is that you just you are able to see the condition that your life is in. Um, for me, I think my biggest indicator, I guess, was my relationships. Like I was in very unhealthy relationships, not necessarily abusive as far as physically, but just very emotionally um, unavailable people. Um, mm. I was, you know, attracted to to people who just really didn't 
see me or really didn't value me because I didn't value myself. I didn't know I had value. You know, so much to what the father gives to us as children, especially girls, is is this sense of of acceptance and approval and that we're worthy. Well, I didn't have that. My mother never remarried. You know, there was a stepfather, but my stepfather was sexually abusive. Um, And so that wasn't a good, you know, role model of a father. So I really grew up really looking for that father's love in my relationships, my accomplishments, my achievements, because when you grow up feeling like some part of you is missing, which is very much what I felt, you're going to look to try to fulfill that with things or with people or possessions or again, you know, degrees or achievements or relationships or sex or drinking or drugs or whatever, you know, your drug of choice is. And I'm doing air quotes. But so for me, it was kind of, um, you know, achieving and and I think relationships. And and so as much as that was my poison, that was also my the antidote. You know, it's kind of like you get a snake bite and and the venom is going to kill you. But the antidote has components of the venom. So that's why I say some of what happens to you is really happening for you, because a lot of the things that we feel come into our lives to destroy us are the things that ultimately end up delivering us. And the thing that ends up, you know, we discover our greatest strengths. We discover um, who we really are and what we're made of and why we came to the planet. And, um, you know, I certainly would like to think there are easy ways, easier ways to find that out. But, you know, for me that that was my path and and so that that was my evidence was just my life wasn't going the way that i wanted it to um i was unhappy you know i was struggling with depression and anxiety Uh, i certainly didn't feel suicidal but there were days i wouldn't mind it going to sleep and not waking up um i just was too scared (laughs) to to initiate the process but yes though all those things definitely happened and um and and i think you know sometimes you get sick and tired of being sick and tired i finally just was like there has to be more to life than this and if that's true then what do i have to do to go from here to there and and i think that's when i began to do my work to face up to my past to stop running from it stop avoiding it stop you know denying it stop trying to do things to distract me from it and i began to really face it and own it and um and that began to give me a sense of hope that okay maybe you can make it through this and you can really live the life that you were created to live so i did go to therapy for 3 years um i was a therapist who had a therapist and you know even that played with me mentally for a minute cuz i'm like wait a minute, I'm supposed to be doing this for people. But, you know, um, the humility in that also was um, incredible just for me to surrender myself to the fact that, you know what, I deserve to live my best life. And if this is what I got to do to do that, then I'm going and I don't care who knows about it. So I did go to therapy for three years. She really helped me unpack the 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 densest part of my my story um, and, and unravel a lot of that trauma. And then I began to kind of walk that out. So my faith, you know, my faith in God, my faith in Christ, um, and my faith and belief in myself. And again, I always knew that there was more and that I was capable of more. And, you know, one of the things I often share with my clients, Jonathan, is that the way that you know how you're living isn't your truth is the fact that it's causing you distress. 
the fact that people are depressed or anxious or feeling unfulfilled or feeling hopeless or helpless or dissatisfied, that is the evidence that you are worth more. And that's mm. what I mean when I say the things that happen to us are really happening for us because those are our indications that somewhere in my life I'm in balance. I'm not owning and living my truth. I'm, I don't really know who I am. I haven't fully accepted myself. I'm living in this space of unawareness. Those become the indicators that we are off balance, that we are imbalanced, that we are living a lie, in fact. And so the truth is really right there behind the thing that we're sometimes unwilling to face. So for me, I just began to be willing to face that. I didn't care what it was. I didn't care how stinky it looked or how bad it looked. I was willing to walk through it, look at it, face it, call it what it was so I could get to the other side. I love what you said there too, that depression is the evidence that you're meant for more. Absolutely. That is some strong stuff, you know, especially uh, I think that the depression rates here over the last two or three years with the pandemic and the quarantine and stuff have risen dramatically. dramatically. But it, like you said, it's, it's evidence that you're meant for more. You're meant, you're for, meant more. for more. So if you're hearing this right now, then please know Giovanna tells you you're meant for more. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, it's, it's evidence. There's something inside of you that's crying out. And mm -hmm. that's why you are experiencing that pain and that depression. Yeah. Wow. Because we're hard headed, you know, we, we don't get it unless there's pain, <laughs> you know, we'll, yeah. we'll keep living in, in illusion. We'll keep living in falsehoods. Um, and so pain is what gets our attention. It's, it's what says that, hey, wait a minute, you know, you're not drinking enough water or you need calcium or vitamin D or wait a minute, this belief system that you're holding on to is is not allowing you, you know, to to be your best self or to show up for yourself or to, you know, to have confidence or, or really great self-esteem. So yes, those become the things that are our indicators that, that something is amiss, something yeah. is off, that we're not living in our divine truth. So if someone is going through, let's say that they're experiencing depression and they hear this and they go, you know what? I am meant for something more. Speak to how do they discover that something more that they're meant for? A lot of times that's going to be an unraveling process. You know, you probably heard people say that healing happens in layers. And um, and so sometimes that's appealing, you know, an unpeeling, peeling back those layers to discover. Because one of the other things that I've discovered, um, Marion Williamson, and I know you hear me quote a lot, but I, I look up to so many people. But Marion Williamson had the quote, um, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. And believe it or not, I have discovered that in working with clients. Sometimes what people are most afraid of is not that they're a failure. It's not that they're not good enough. It's not that they are inadequate. It's not that they're defective. It's the fact that it's the exact opposite. You know, that what if I am? And wow, what do I do with that? And so because, again, sometimes we're dealing with that social conditioning or that cultural conditioning or that maybe parents, you know, parental conditioning, somebody just has been telling you the wrong thing that you have begun to believe the wrong thing. And so, again, a lot of times it's just unraveling the, the lies to get to the truth of who you really are. And, and a great therapist can help you to do that, can help you to really unpack. I always tell my clients, I'm not here to help you get undepressed, which I know isn't a word, but y'all, I make up words. So I'm not here to just help you get undepressed. Um, I could have 
really sent you to my psychiatrist to do that. You know, you could have gone to anybody for that. I'm here to help birth you into your greatest self. I want you to meet the greatest aspect of you. And that takes, even from you, that takes a belief in other people. It does. Yeah. yeah. I wholeheartedly believe in other people. Um, and, and it's why I think I, I'm so passionate about what I do um, because I am one of those people that I just, I believe, you know, I believe in the, the human spirit. I believe in as crazy as us humans are. I like us. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I get it. I truly believe that even to this day, probably more than ever, people want to make a difference. They want to make an impact. They want to live their true self. They want to live their true life. However, they are flooded and overwhelmed with, with philosophies of success that are actually opposite to being true. They're, they're lies yeah. that we're being spoon fed from social media or wherever. And, uh, and, and that's why I started this podcast to hopefully help, like you said, peel away some of those layers for people so that they can help. And this is why I love, this is why our phone call and I got the energy already. I'm like, we're on the same page, Giovanna. I love it. <laughs> and you, you keep mentioning and you keep speaking about it's a process. It's a process. Now, is this a process that someone can do on their own or is it very important that they either get into a mentorship relationship or a coaching relationship or at least surround themselves with a good support system? Yeah, I would say all of the above. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, there may be parts of it you can certainly walk out on your own, and I would definitely encourage you to do that. My therapist was amazing, but there were parts of my journey that I had to do. No one could go for me. Um, mm. I, I had to do that. So um, I would definitely say all of the above. I don't think we can have enough um, assistance, you know, through a support system, a coach, a mentor. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people are unwilling to do that because, you know, sometimes we want to keep our stuff hidden or we don't want anyone to know. We don't want to, you know, feel like we're weak or incapable, but that's foolish. Um, I always tell clients when they say, you know, I just feel weak for even coming here. And I say, no, the people that are weak are the ones who won't admit that they need to be here or that they need to be working with someone. Because if if I break my, my leg, I am very much going to a doctor. I'm not going to sit out in my, my she shed and try to mend my leg back together. I'm going to go to someone who is skilled and qualified to, to do that so that my leg will heal the right way and I can walk normally again. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to personal and professional development, people just want to do it themselves. And again, sometimes that's pride or ego or whatever, just sense of embarrassment or whatnot. But um, it takes a lot of humility and a lot of vulnerability to admit you don't always have it all together. And, you know, before when you mentioned about the pandemic and the depression rates. I literally just got an email today from LinkedIn for me to comment on, they were talking about how they've done this research around the world and how many people are just unhappy around the world and have this really low sense of well-being. And so I agree. It's like with, with all of these technological advances and medical advances, and we've got robots performing surgeries and all of these things that we're doing, we are more miserable than ever as a human race. And why is that? What, you know, why is that? That's a great question. Why is that? What well, are your thoughts? I, my opinion is because a lot of times I think it's because we have been seeking, as you mentioned before, with success, 
defining and determining what success is for you. But we look to other people to tell us that we're successful. We look mm -hmm. to the Forbes 500 or 100, nothing against that, you know, to tell us that we've reached a certain level of success. I remember my own, you know, self, I read it this morning, literally, I have written it in my journal, February of 2021, when I had this epiphany. And I said, wow, I am already a success because success is an inside job. It's it's what I determined to be success for somebody being a great um, housewife might be success. While to someone else, it might be becoming COO or CEO might be success. But no one can look at those two individuals and say one's more successful than the other, because if the housewife feels fulfilled and 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 happy and content with wherever she is and that that is success for her to see her children grow up and be healthy and, you know, and, and reach their potential, then that is her definition of success. And no one gets to come and tell her that's not success because it's not measured this way. So my opinion is that we keep trying to measure success and happiness and wellness on other people's standards and not our own. And so we keep thinking that happiness and success happens outside of us. So we keep searching for it outside of us. We search for it in our careers, in our jobs, in our relationships, again, in our possessions, in our achievements, in our accolades. And we wonder why that's not fulfilling us. Because once we get there, we're looking for the next thing. Now I need the next thing to make me feel better about me. I need the next accomplishment or achievement or award or recognition or, or vehicle or iPhone. I need the next thing. And so we keep chasing those external Internal illusions of success or happiness, not even realizing that it's an inside job. So, you know, when I when I have a setback, I'm happy. When things aren't going my way, I'm happy. When I'm, I have a challenge to get over, I'm happy. Because again, my happiness is on the inside of me. Um, it's not based on a situation, an event, a person, a thing, an achievement, accomplishment, a status, a, how many Instagram followers I have. It's based on just me. And, and I don't claim to have found the secret. I just know that this is what works for me and the clients that I work with, it seems to be working for them as well. Yeah. Um, because we, dis we discover our, su our success and our happiness and our sense of well-being and fulfillment in here. And, and therefore, no one can take it, right? It doesn't matter if I get demoted or if my salary goes down or, you know, my, my car is, is totaled or I dropped and broke my cell phone. It doesn't matter. Like all those become just things that are happening happening, but they aren't you. They aren't me. And so I believe, again, that we, we're in a, an awakening. And, and that's why so much of this stuff is getting worse before it gets better, because we're kind of being called back to the truth. Um, and not to be too spiritual or philosophical, but I believe we're being called back to the truth. And as you said, people are wanting the trueness again. They're wanting truth and authenticity. I mean, 20 years ago, you weren't hearing about authenticity in the workplace, in the corporate sector. But now right. you've got the Harvard Business Review saying that authentic leadership is, you know, going to become the wave of the future. Um, transparency. Um, you know, I'm a facilitator at the BMW manufacturing plant in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And, you know, their, their rattle or their credo is transparency, openness, 
20 years ago, that would have never been. It would have been about profits. It would have been about bottom lines. It would have just been about, you know, just straight business um, um, ideologies. But now we're talking about emotional intelligence and psychological safety and, um, you know, and, and, and high, uh, high trust environments in the workplace. So I definitely believe there's a shift happening in a good way and, and that we will eventually, I think, find our ways back to what's really real and what really matters. Giovanna, I, I think I hear you were using the word success and happiness interchangeably. Is that kind of how you define success is through sense, happiness? I, I don't- I don't think that people that that automatically reach again their level of success are automatically happy because, of course, that's not true because some of them sit on my couch um, and they're very unhappy. So now I don't know that I, I think they're automatically interchangeable. I think that a lot of times when we, okay, if we just think of success in life as far as life success, then yes, I think they could very much be interchangeable. Are you are you living the, the life you feel that you were designed to live. Are you, and, and I don't mean that again, that you've reached some destination, but when you get up each day, do you, do you feel like you're in alignment with, with who you are, with, with your purpose when you, you know, whether or not you, you go to a, a, a company or you own a company or you, you know, you work remotely when you get up every day, do you feel that sense of purpose and that you're doing what you were created to do and that you're doing it to the level that you're able to do it? Or are you still holding back? Are you are you toning it down? Are you shrinking because, you know, of some other reason or some other person? Um, so, yes, I think when you think of life success, but certainly sometimes not not in the external um, definition yeah. of success. Yeah. No, I don't think everybody that's successful is happy is everybody that's right. happy successful maybe <laughs> so it may not so, be by society standards but they may be successful by their own so success and happiness maybe not interchangeable but maybe one leads to the other and i i personally don't think success like you said success doesn't necessarily lead to happiness if you're looking from the i know people that are multimillionaires or people that are uh great comedians or great actors or somewhat a celebrity that might commit suicide because they're depressed and not happy. Like you said, the external effects of success doesn't necessarily mean you have the internal happiness. However, happiness might lead to success depending on how you define success because uh, first of all, the law of attraction, if you're happy about everything and you just choose to be happy, then you bring more things into your life to be happy about. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that too. When uh, I was reading over your show notes that the law of attraction, because I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and gratitude, like I practice gratitude every single day because the more I'm grateful for, the more one life sends me to be grateful for, but also the more I recognize and pay attention to what's there, what I have, what's working. You know, our brains are hardwired to look for what's missing and what's wrong and what's not there or what needs to be fixed. It was just designed that way. You know, survival, that was its, its to, um, you know, its mission in the beginning, but um, now we're not such in a survival mode. And so we have to do the work to kind of retrain some of that automatic, you know, survival type thinking, which is constantly scanning for a threat. So gratitude helps you focus on 
what's working, what you have, what's present, being present. And that's one of the reasons. And that really, to me, lends a lot to my sense of well-being. And even for my clients, I, I that's one of my exercises as I have them start a daily practice of gratitude. And it truly makes a significant difference. I will have them come back and they're like, yeah, I haven't had any depressed episodes in the past two months, you know, because I've been mm-hmm. practicing gratitude. Just that one little thing, you know, not because they got their their Prozac increased or their added Abilify, but, and nothing's wrong with medication. But I'm just saying that simple practice of gratitude or deep breathing or meditation has significantly increased their sense of happiness and well-being. You've already thrown out so many keys and you said you don't have a magic bullet, but it's a process. There's layers. Mm-hmm. But if you had to choose one thing, Giovanna, there, here's the one thing that if I only get somebody's ear for five minutes and I've got to tell them, hey, here's something that I think will help you for the rest of your life. What's that one thing for you? This came to me, um, I'm actually taking a, a class right now with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and um, and Lisa Nichols. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yeah. huge personal change, transformational giants, right? Um, and I was listening to um, one of the uh, modules and one of the videos and someone mentioned, which we all now have heard, do it afraid. And I was sitting there listening and they were talking about do it afraid, which, you know, I think I heard that phrase about 10 years ago and started using it. And I sat there and I was like, do it afraid, you know, be afraid, do it anyway. And all of a sudden I had an epiphany. Wow. Not only can we do it afraid, but we can be, we can be rejected and do it anyway. We can be the product of an extramarital affair and do it anyway. We can have an alcoholic mother or father and do it anyway. We can be abused and do it anyway. We don't have to fix ourselves or our situation to do it anyway, to be great anyway. Whatever your it is, go ahead and do it anyway. Be afraid and do it anyway. Be nervous and do it anyway. Be unsure and do it anyway. Again, be be not your parents' favorite and do it anyway. Be the one least likely to succeed and do it anyway. Nothing and no one can stop you or I but us. So that would be what I would share. That is like my new my new credo is Giovanna do it anyway I don't care if you're the only woman in the room do it anyway I don't care if you're the only minority in the room do it anyway be great anyway show up anyway speak up anyway live your best life anyway that again we don't have to be perfect and we don't have to have it all together I don't have to look like Lisa Nichols or or Brene Brown or Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey I don't have have to look like them in order to do it anyway and reach Giovanna's level of success and happiness in life. I'm a very visual thinker, Giovanna. And as you're saying this whole do it anyway, and you know, you might be broken or you might have these pieces that, to your life that seem like they're jagged and you don't have to fill everything. I'm sitting there imagining a puzzle. Yeah. And you may look at a piece and go, well, that piece isn't perfect but it fits somewhere perfect right now as it is. Exactly. So put it, put it in that puzzle and it's, it's going to fit like no other piece can. Exactly. And that's what I'm picturing in my brain. I Do like it anyway. <laughs> Do it anyway. Right. That's great. Show up anyway, because how do you know your piece isn't meant to start a whole other puzzle over here 
to right. itself. You know, it doesn't always have to fit. It doesn't always have to conform. My mm. my daughter, I don't know if you knew, I've written a book and it's called Epiphany. So I've been plugging that secretly a couple of times, but um, it's called Epiphany. And there's a chapter in there inspired by my daughter. She was six at the time and she had gotten dressed and any parent out there, a mother, you definitely know sometimes they pick out stuff and you're like, what is this? What Were you in the dark when you picked this outfit? And so she had picked out, I don't know, something with stripes and polka it just did not go together whatsoever and so I said honey I said you can't wear that and she said why not mommy and I said because it doesn't match and she said well mommy who says it has to and I <laughs> literally stopped in my tracks and I was like you know what you're exactly right who says it has to and so she went ahead and she wore her little outfit and she felt great in it but that was an epiphany for me like we follow these rules and norms and expectations of society that tell us it has to match it has to look like this it has to sound a certain way who made up these rules and who told us we had to buy in and follow them and so i think it just you know when we're children and and we're five or six we we are so creative no one can really tell us that mice can't talk right <laughs> i love walt disney but no one can convince us that mice can't talk or that tinkerbell can't fly or that there are fairies but as we get older and we get socialized we we start to deny and doubt and second guess all of those things that as children we're able to just open our minds up to all these worlds of wonder and um and so again who says that it always has to fit or has to match or has to you know go neatly into this little space i feel like sometimes kids know more truth about success and happiness and there's just somewhere along the way we've been conformed to forget some of those things so it's great to just have that reminder even a six-year-old can have a deep truth that we can get uh that hey it doesn't have to match i love it so uh let's get back to uh we're we're wrapping up here and i do want to plug your book i want i want people where would they go first of all tell us a little bit about it and then where would someone go to find it and purchase this book Thank you. Um, my second book is called Epiphany. I released it during the pandemic in October of 2020. And it's it's a, a book of like life lessons. There are lessons on um, on faith, like my revelation of, of faith and and how I went from just that definition of, of or the scripture about faith being, you know, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence to things not seen to me understanding that faith itself is the evidence that even having faith is the evidence that the thing that I'm desiring or the thing that I'm having faith for already exists. So there are lessons like that, lessons about trusting in the unseen. I I use a story from the movie, The Invisible Man, that my husband and I were watching together. And I don't know if you saw the movie, but that scene where he she's in the attic and he comes up the stairs and she throws the can of paint and you can see him. And I remember being confused And I said, how is it she can see him? And my husband said, baby, he's invisible. It doesn't mean he isn't there. And in my mind, I was thinking invisible meant, you know, that he he wasn't there. Like he was just, you know. And so it really made me think about how, again, sometimes when we're believing in something that hasn't shown up, that just because we can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. 
Just wow. because it's invisible doesn't mean it isn't there. So Epiphany is a collection of lessons like that, that I have personally had to live and learn about self-love, about internal validation as opposed to external validation, um, you know, about knowing that we're good enough you know, already, knowing that we are worthy and approved of. And, uh, you know, it talks about happiness. It talks about um, there's even a chapter called the gates of hell are locked from the inside, meaning metaphorically that any hell that we feel we're in, any prison, we close the gate. We hold the key. We did. Yeah. And so there's nobody there standing there holding the gate closed on us. It's us. It's our minds. We have created the fences and the walls and the limitations because when we remove those, we discover that we are, gosh, I mean, we're unlimited. Well, you did a great job of promoting that. I know that I want to buy the book and, and read it now. Uh, where where do we go? How do how does somebody find your book? Thank you. So it's actually, I have it listed in my LinkedIn profile. So you can definitely just click there and it'll take you to Amazon, but it's on all the major online bookstores, Amazon, Books A Million, Borders. Just search for your name, Giovanna Gathers. Oh yeah. Or you can just put in a search, Giovanna Gathers, my website, GiovannaGethers.com. And Gethers is like feathers with a G, G G-E-A-T-H-E-R-S.com. And you can definitely find um, my book there. Yeah. And I would love for you guys to read it and share your feedback. Yeah, definitely will. And and so last thing before we wrap up here, you also do life coaching and therapy. What, what is the difference between the two and how would someone even get started? I know most people understand what therapy is and where they would go there, but how would someone identify if, Hey, you know what? I could really use a life coach. Yeah, that that's a, that's a squeaky question only for, for me as a therapist, because life coaching and and I love it, you know, but life coaching became the thing sometimes that people decided to do because they didn't want to admit they needed therapy. And so people would say, oh, I have a life coach. And, and so for us as therapists, one of the things we have to be careful when you talk about the difference is when someone comes to us for life coaching and they really need therapy, it's really a therapeutic issue. So, you know, if it's something like somebody's having depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, if there's a lot of trauma, if there are a lot of adverse behaviors or different things like that, that is probably going to be more of a therapy issue, whereas life coaching, it might be for something like, well, I want to work on my presentation skills, or I want to learn how to say no and not feel guilty. I want to work on being more assertive. I want to, you know, some of the life coaching um, options that I offer are overcoming perfectionism, overcoming self-sabotage. And, and, but again, sometimes that brings therapy aspects into it. And so the good thing is I can then, you know, speak to both aspects. And, And so again, I think life coaching became a, or has become a thing that we do for people that, that don't necessarily have a a therapy type issue, um, but still want to, you know, work through some things. They, they want to overcome their fear of public speaking or, or, or their fear of failure, whatever it is. But sometimes that might get you into some, some therapeutic areas. And uh, so, yes, I offer both. I also do business coaching. I coach a lot of entrepreneurs, I guess, that are just starting out. 
Um, I, I coach execs and, you know, if they're, again, just maybe have reached a plateau or something and trying to figure out why they can't get to that next level. I've done a little bit of performance coaching for, for people that just want to improve, you know, in a particular area as far as performance. But yeah, that, that would be, of course, just to be very basic, therapy has a diagnosis, life coaching does a therapy, you can bill on your insurance, life coaching, you cannot therapy. I have to be licensed in a particular state to practice therapy. So I'm licensed in South Carolina and Georgia, but I can practice life coaching anywhere around the world, which I don't think is fair, by the way. But anyway, but I can practice life coaching anywhere around the world. Like I can see a client anywhere in the world and not have to be licensed because, you know, coaching isn't regulated. So there, there's no board, there's no um, regulating body over coaching. So if you do choose a coach, just kind of be careful and, and, you know, make sure you research them to know what you're getting. And how would somebody identify what's what makes a good life coach or a good therapist? Um, I would request a consultation. Most people are going to give you a, a consultation and not only determining whether or not they're good at what they do, but are they good for you? Um, because sometimes there may just it may just not be a good fit. You know, maybe it's their style that just isn't a good fit for you that you all you know, you don't you don't need someone that's that direct or you do need someone that's more direct. And maybe your therapist or your coach is a little bit too passive or easygoing and you want somebody to just kind of give it to you um, straight. So I would say scheduling and asking if they do a free consultation. And again, most people do. And then that way you can, you know, you can ask questions like, well, how long have you been doing it? What is your area of expertise? What led you to this? You know, I, I get that all the time. What do you think led you to this? And I always say I was born to do it. I don't think I had a choice. Um, yeah. I had a choice to not do it, but I didn't really have a choice besides that. Um, but yeah, those are some questions I would ask. How long they've been doing it? You know, are they certified? You know, are, are they, uh, again, just, you know, what got them into it? What led them to it? You know, you certainly want to ask about pricing and structure, you know, how often you'll meet and what are some expected outcomes, because coaching is really about outcomes. But I will say for me, therapy is about outcomes, because even as a therapist, I have a very solution focused approach to therapy. So I don't really work with clients for 10 or 20 years. I always say if I haven't gotten it in two to three years, I'm probably not the right person. I'm just not getting it. So let me help you get with someone that can get mm. you to the result that you're looking for. My ego isn't that big that I'm just going to keep beating a dead horse. I just may not get it. And uh, so I'm humble enough to, you know, to get them with somebody that that can work on their issue better. But um, but yeah, so I would I would definitely say, um, you know, do your research. But if you call the first person and it doesn't work out, keep calling. Don't don't let that be your excuse not to move forward. Call until you get the right person. For you. Thank you, Giovanna Gathers, for joining us on the show, for sharing your story, sharing your epiphanies and for showing us that everything that happens in our lives, even the traumatic experiences, are not happening to us, but are happening for us. Don't forget to visit GiovannaGethers.com and check out her books or get a consultation to see if she could help you on a more personal level as a life coach. All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing, so speed up or move over.